0: You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show. The place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then make sure you're subscribed to our email newsletter. Go to assemblycall.com slash join today and sign up for free. That's assemblycall.com slash join. Yeah. This week's edition of The Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. As you know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There is nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. I have SeatGeek on my phone. I've used it several times in the last year. I used it when Yogi Ferrell was playing for the Mavericks and went to see a couple of games, used it to buy my wife tickets to a concert, so I can personally vouch for it. I use it. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, I can instantly find seats To any event that I want to go to, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and help you find amazing deals. And best of all, listeners to The Assembly Call get $20 off of their first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. And my goodness, what a jam-packed seven days it has been. Uh, this is our 53rd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 351st episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 16th, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call. And that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And you know, I tell you what, after many, many months since Archie Miller took over of what just felt like continued positive momentum, uh, this was really the first week where Indiana basketball under Archie Miller hit choppy waters, obviously starting out the season with the loss to Indiana State, uh, losing out on a major recruit in Darius Garland you know, kind of playing so-so against Howard, and then obviously the loss to Seton Hall, this has certainly not been the start to the season that a lot of us envisioned, especially those of us, and I'm raising my hand on this one, who were among the more optimistic about what Indiana would be able to do this season. I think most Indiana fans are optimistic about, you know, the the medium and and long-term future of Indiana basketball with Archie Miller, but there was obviously a pretty wide divergence of opinion on what the Hoosiers would do this year, and the season has not gotten off to a great start. But I think in last night's game, Wednesday night's game against Seton Hall, we finally saw a few elements of growth, and that's why this week's banner moment for me came during Archie Miller's post-game press conference when he talked about you know the team at halftime and the locker room at halftime, you know, for the first time, kind of being right. I think is the word that he used, and 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 he meant that you know the guys had confidence, there was some togetherness. You know, they had kind of seen all these things that they had been working on that hadn't really worked against Indiana State and that hadn't really worked against Howard that kind of worked some against Seton Hall. It wasn't a perfect first half by any means, but you know Seton Hall gets up 9-2, Indiana comes back. Seton Hall gets up 27-18, Indiana comes back. And you started to see what an Archie Miller coach basketball team looks like And I think that's important because as we go through this process of older guys unlearning bad habits and younger guys obviously being brought up freshly in the Archie Miller system, what needs to happen is these guys have to have confidence. They have to see it work to really believe and to believe in it together. And that they were able to do that in the first half. Now, the the irony, of course, is that they came out in the second half and got bludgeoned. So clearly whatever worked in the first half didn't carry over to the second But, you know, we'll talk about this, you know, whether we have to reset expectations a little bit, but it does kind of feel like we have to. And so if we're in this position where we're just looking for growth, we're looking for progress. We found that at least in the first half against Seton Hall, and that is something to hold on to and hopefully to build on as we move forward. And so in a week where there weren't a lot of moments (laughs) where it looked like Indiana basketball was on its way to its sixth banner, uh, that is the one that I will cling to uh, for this week's banner moment. All right, well, let me now introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. Both Andy and Ryan, uh, the normal co-hosts here on the Assembly Call, are out this week. Andy had prior family obligations, and Ryan Uh, who was scheduled to join us this evening, is in Maui scrambling to find working Wi-Fi. So Godspeed in your quest, Ryan. But I'm very happy to have the official coach of the assembly call back with us, Brian Tonsoni. And seriously, Brian, is there anything that you don't do now? Because you're the faculty mentor for the world-famous Delphi Bracketology Club. Assistant basketball coach for Western High School, a teacher, although you prefer to be called "quote a lead learner," uh, and then you also have a brand new sports podcast of your own called Sports Talk with Tonsoni. So you are uh, you are doing everything, and it is now Tonsoni time here on the Assembly Call. So what's on your mind?
1: Well, hey, thanks. I did. I, we've done all three today. We had filming for Delphi Bracketology in the morning. We taught. I we had a basketball scrimmage tonight for uh, three hours, and and now. I'm joining you on the podcast, so it's a full day of hoops and and sports, and that's how I, I like it. So the thing that's on my mind is I think all of us wanted to have that first half be what happened at Indiana, of Seton Hall, to be what happened in the first game of Indiana State, and it didn't happen. And, you know, we've played one good half, we've played two average halves maybe at best against Howard, and then we've had three really poor halves, and, and that can't continue in order to rack up some wins. But at least the first half of Seton Hall gave us a little bit of a glimpse of how competitive we can be despite a high turnover rate in the first half. And I think, for me, I'm a little shocked uh, at the flip-flop of the veterans and the freshmen. It seems like the freshmen are playing at a, at a little bit better pace and rate right now than the veterans. And, and that's a lesson um, you know we're starting a new program in high school and we're dealing with new terminology and stuff and and sometimes the older kids have to unlearn stuff while they're learning new stuff and the and the young freshmen just come in and this is all that they've known and, and that doesn't mean that uh, our older guys are choosing to to have issues with it it's it's just uh, the default knowledge of three years or two years in, in one program versus new and I think, I think some of that's happening. I also think that uh, I think our margin for error is smaller than I thought it would be. I thought I thought some guys' skill level and abilities were probably a little bit uh, higher, and that's probably the fan in me, not the coach in me. And uh, I, I think Archie has said all along that it's going to be a long process. He he said people need to learn how to produce, and, and those of us in the fan world thought that they could get there. So I I think it's a a process. I think that first half of Seton Hall is what we have to remember that uh, let's hope we get to that sooner rather than later.
0: Absolutely. All righty. Well, here's what we are going to discuss this week on Assembly Call Radio. We're going to kind of step back, take a big picture view of the program after these first three games, what... Maybe it changes what it makes us reassess about what we thought going into the season. Uh, I'm going to give you some stats that really tell the story about Indiana's start. The good, the bad, and of course the ugly. Uh, and then Brian and I are going to spend some time talking about Robert Johnson because he was really a hot topic of conversation after the Seton Hall game. And we're going to talk about you know whether the expectations being placed on him are fair. You know What he needs to do to, to kind of step up and take that next step to be the player Indiana needs him to be. Uh, and then kudos to you guys because you sent in some really, really good questions this week that are basically going to allow us to hit all the other topics I wanted to cover. And so we're going to hit those in our fourth segment. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. First, this quick reminder, the next time that you are looking for tickets to a sporting event or concert, remember our friends at SeatGeek. You can download their app, which is incredibly convenient and easy to use. Or if you just want an easy to remember URL that will take you directly to the IU basketball ticket listings on SeatGeek's website, here it is. IU tickets dot shop, not dot com, but dot shop. So, for example, do you want tickets to the upcoming game against South Florida, or do you want tickets to Indiana playing Duke on November 29th, or maybe the Big Ten home opener against Iowa on December 4th? Even if you want to go to road games, tickets are available for every game on IU schedule. And again, all you have to do to check out the latest ticket deals uh, either on is you can use the SeatGeek app uh, or you can use that URL that I gave you, iutickets.shop. And if it's your first time using SeatGeek, don't forget that the promo code assembly uh, will get you $20 back after that first purchase. So again, use the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y and the URL iutickets.shop. Alrighty, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with our special guest host, Brian Tonsoni. And Brian. Let's talk a little bit big picture, you know, because I, I put out a call for questions earlier today, and uh, you know, a lot of them were, were kind of some form of this, right? Alex says, "What percentage of my paycheck should I set aside for post game drinking this season?" Seems like a fair question based on what we've seen so far. Uh, another one is, "Are fans going to have the required patience to let this thing get going? Or are they going to overreact and rebel?" Certainly, a worthwhile question based on some of the reaction uh, from different Indiana fans, you know, that we saw. And then another question, is making the NCAA tournament a realistic goal for this team? And if not, what should fans look at for a successful season? So I think it's important now, you know, we're 10% of the way into the season. I know it seems like it's only three games, but that's a a pretty significant portion of the season, and I think it's an important spot now because it went so differently from what we thought to kind of take a moment and reassess. And there are three words, and I wrote about this in our post game analysis email that got uh, sent out on Thursday morning. There are three words that keep coming to mind for me, and those are patience, perspective, and progress. And so, you know, when I think about patience and perspective when it comes to, uh, you know, Archie Miller, but just coaching changes in general. I think it helps to look back on some other coaching changes and what they went through in their first season or first few seasons. You know, look no further than Archie's brother Sean, who in his first year at Arizona went 16 and 15. That team did go 10 and 8 uh, in in conference play, but 16 and 15 overall. Tom Izzo, his first couple years at Michigan State was 16 and 16 and 17 and 12, nine and nine in the conference, and neither uh, both years and neither time uh, did they make it to the NCAA tournament. They made the NIT. And Coach K, you know, famously his first three years at Duke. 17 and 13 10 and 17 11 and 17 and went 13 and 29 in the conference and obviously we know that all of those guys obviously turned it around there was patience there they built the program up the way that they wanted to and so I think that is important because we can get so caught up in these losses and how bad they are and they do sting in the moment but I think we have to have proper perspective that if you believed Archie Miller was the guy long term before these three games I don't really think we've seen anything yet in such a short sample size to really suggest that that isn't the case. And that's what brings me to progress because obviously Indiana can't continue to play this way. And then you can't just forever say, well, you know, it's coming, it's coming. You have to actually see the progress. And that's why I did think the first half against Seton Hall, as we both said was encouraging because you finally saw a little bit of the progress that we didn't really see against Indiana state or Howard. And so I think if Indiana fans can have some patience, have that perspective And then if we continue to see progress, that's going to make this season, you know, worthwhile and and allow us, I think, to get through the struggles without overreacting, without going too crazy, Um, which I think, you know, look, that certainly seems like what we're going to need to do, because I don't think, at least based on the first three games, that this team is going to be able to reach maybe the higher end uh, of some of the more optimistic predictions that people had for them coming into the season.
1: Yeah, I think perspective is a a, a great word. I think all three of your words were fantastic. But I'll try to share some coaching perspective. Archie Miller is thought of highly with college coaches, people who cover the college game, high school coaches. One of the best coaches in the state of Ohio, Mike Noska, coaches at Wilmington High School. He's got a player right now, the Cumberland kid at Cincinnati, Uh, the Rollins defensive back at green bay he, he's had some nfl type talent at this high school a great friend of mine he says nothing but great things about archie miller when archie was hired he, he called me knowing that i was an iu fan and said you have yourself a great coach uh the the coach that i work for right now has been to archie's practices and absolutely loves what he sees inside the practices so you know, patience, that's the perspective is we, we have a guy that is going to do some good things. Uh, I guess it's not guaranteed. Uh, you know, he could move to this stage and not not do well, but I, I really believe in him. Uh, I needed a little perspective to back off the I want this team to be a tournament team in year one and I, not wanting to, to rebuild and I want good things. And sometimes I wonder why can't we have just good things even in a rebuild? But he'll play defense, and he'll coach defense, and he's already holding uh, players accountable uh, for their mistakes, and and he's doing little things that sometimes we as fans don't see, but as coaches, uh, they're really awesome things in the game. What would be an example of that? It let's put you uh, okay. In the spot, so but. I was going to save this for when we talk about Robert, um, but there, and I'll really go into it in depth when we talk about Robert. But he called a play, or I think it was purposeful, but somehow he got Robert. A play with the ball screen up top to get him going and all of a sudden robert started scoring and that is a coach knowing i need robert johnson i need to get him going we're down 14 or 15 i'm gonna do something um there i i see little things like that i see the fact that he pulls people after one or two uh turnovers freddie mcswain didn't play after his two really sloppy not paying attention turnovers uh, one led to points. So those are little things that we get caught up in the score, the loss, it looks bad. It takes time to to put in a program. And, and so I think that's where your three words are, are absolutely correct. But from a, a, a coaching, the coaching world that I'm around, people like Archie Miller, and he might not have been, you know, the big name of Alford or some of the other guys that people were wanting and so now when we're not playing well that that negativity can creep in uh i can't guarantee it but i think we got a really good one and and when that uh, patience um happens and i think progress will will be there and we'll be back where we need to be that it's just a question of when right now
0: yeah you know another good p word is also proportional because it's easy you know if you watch games on twitter you go on message boards there's always a very vocal minority that is loud and some of these people are trollish and they go in there and just kind of you know make negative comments or or they do genuinely feel what they're saying but they're just so reactionary you know they're ready to jump off the building at the first sign that something's not going well but the vast vast majority of fans that i interact with understand this is going to be a process understand it takes patience and and have that perspective so you know i always hesitate to to address it too much and give too much credence to a, a small vocal minority um because I do think that the majority of IU fans you know despite how rough throughout the last four years have been uh you know understand that this is something that hopefully is building for the long term but it might mean in the short term that Indiana's is going to have to take some lumps and certainly that's already happened
1: You know, you're seeing some flare screens. You're seeing some pin screens. We're feeding the post well. Uh, The attention to detail on defense in the first half was a lot better, even though we gave up 57% shooting. There's a lot of good things. It's just not enough of them, right? Or or there's some good things happening in small bunches. And, And those are things that in a rebuild like this or a new situation, I think we really need to focus on. Uh, Because when those start adding up, that's when we'll shock someone. That's when we'll beat someone we're not supposed to. That's when we maybe make a four or five game run in the Big Ten and and when everyone's counted uh, this team out. But, um, you know, that coaching staff has experience and Ed Schilling is fantastic. And um, while it's disappointing and frustrating, uh, we are headed in in a a much better direction than if if we didn't have uh, the Archie and the staff.
0: Yeah, and as Archie said on his radio show, it's going to take a lot of time. We're teaching a whole new style, a whole new new culture, a whole new identity on and off the floor. And that will take time, and again, we just... As fans are going to have to have some patience, have some perspective, but hopefully we continue to see some progress uh, that, uh, that, that continues to give us reason to be excited. All right, coming up on the Assembly Call, we're going to dive into some numbers and some numbers that really tell the story of the early season for Indiana, the good, bad, and the ugly. That's coming up next. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm up shirt all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. Don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcast or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. So Brian, I want to hit some numbers. We're going to talk about Robert Johnson in depth in the next segment, but I want to hit some numbers uh, that kind of tell the story of the early season for Indiana. And I think these are important benchmarks for numbers that either, you know, the good ones need to sustain for Indiana to have some success and the bad ones and the ugly ones certainly need to reverse themselves. So there's plenty of bad and plenty of ugly. So let's start with the good. Uh, This is a number that Andy pointed out last night on the post game show that Indiana's two point field goal percentage is really, really good. The Hoosiers are shooting 61.2% on two point field goals. So if you remove the three pointers, uh, which obviously they're not shooting well at. It's a really good field goal percentage, um, and what this means is that Indiana is getting good looks, and they're converting when they a aren't turning the ball over, and b missing threes. And so I think this gets back to you know what Archie has been harping on with valuing possessions, uh, both in terms of not turning the ball over and being smart with shot selection, because. When Indiana is and they work the ball and they're patient, they're doing a nice job of converting. Um, And then there are a couple of kind of runner-up stats, which I think are pretty good too, which is that Indiana is getting to the free throw line. And that's something that that is a hallmark of Archie Miller teams. And, you know, that habit has already grown because – You know, last year, Indiana's guards didn't get to the line much. And even Robert Johnson, as we'll talk about, has really increased his free throw rate. But right now, Indiana's free throw rate is 46%. And that is basically, you know, how you calculate that is free throw attempts divided by field goal attempts. And obviously, the higher the number, the better. And when you're up there in the high 40s, that's good, because Indiana's number is 70th in the nation. Um, and, And then, you know, turnovers, Indiana committing too many turnovers, but... The Hoosiers are currently forcing turnovers on 21.3% of opponent possessions, which is 115th in the nation. And that is a huge improvement over last year's rate of 15.7%, which is very low. And that turnover differential, where Indiana turned it over a ton last year and didn't turn their opponents over... I mean, it was just such a huge gap, it was hard to overcome. So at least Indiana is making up for some of its own turnovers by turning over its opponents. So, again, it's been a rough start, but those numbers, I think, within there, Indiana can start to build a little bit of an identity, and I think that's important, especially here early in the season.
1: Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll run off a few of those. The, the turnover percentage has been a problem for a few years now, and, and that has to be fixed, and that to for – in, in our vocabulary, uh, there there are aggressive turnovers where you're trying to make something happen and it just didn't work out. And then there are, are really bad turnovers, which lead lead to a home run or a touchdown and it's automatic two points with no defense. And you can't guard a turnover. So to, to bring that percentage down is only going to mean we have more opportunities to score on the offensive end. And when you know, we question where offense is going to come from. We need more opportunities at the basket. And so uh, that turnover percentage is going to be a key to, to look at um, the whole time. As far as evaluating the offense, you want to get fouled. fouling does two things. It, it, it gets other teams in trouble, either individually or you get into the bonus and can really get some good points that way. Um, but it means you're attacking, and you're attacking the lane, and it puts the defense back on its heels. If you're doing that, if, if you're just uh, playing around the three-point line and not attacking, and your your free throw uh, rate is is low, then then you're not playing that north-south game that is so prevalent in college basketball right now. And so that's another way to get easy points is to get fouled and get into the bonus and get to the bonus early, and maybe eliminate a key player if they're in foul trouble. So. You know that that is a forty six percent. I think is what you said, or forty seven percent. That that's pretty nice. Yeah. Um, you're you're getting to the foul line, and so that's a positive right there.
0: Yeah, and it basically means that you're shooting one free throw for every two field goal attempts, which is good. Now, here's the other part about that: when it comes to actually turning those free throws into points, you got to make your free throws. <laughs> yeah. So, the first bad stat is that Indiana is shooting only fifty eight point one percent from the line which is 307th in the country. And look, shooting better from the free throw line would not have changed the outcome against Indiana State or Seton Hall. Those margins were too big, but it needs to be fixed because Indiana is going to be in closer games as we move in the season. And one reason why I'm, you know, both frustrated about it so far this season, but also optimistic is that the two biggest culprits are Duran and Robert Johnson, who have taken a lot of free throws and, you know, they're both. I mean, Duran is like down at 37, 38%. Both these guys shot 75% from the line last year. So- I feel like they'll get going, and I feel like part of it is just this general lack of confidence and kind of overthinking things the team is going through. I think long-term they'll be okay there, but that's something to watch because if you're going to get to the free-throw line, you got to convert. And then obviously we've talked about the turnover issues. Indiana is turning it over on 22.7% of possessions. That's 271st in the nation, which is actually better than last year in terms of ranking in the nation, but what's interesting is Indiana's turnover percentage for the season last year was 21.4%. So, you know, just, you think about that through three games, Indiana has been worse than what the Hoosiers were on balance last year. And we know they were really bad last year. And then Brian, let me throw out a couple those were the bad stats. Here are the ugly ones. And I want to get your take on these. Indiana's effective field goal percentage allowed and basically effective field goal percentage adds a half point for a three pointer. Um, so it's always going to be a little bit higher than a normal field goal percentage. But Indiana's effective field goal percentage given up is 60.4%. That's 313th in the country. And, you know, you wonder why it's so low. Well, obviously, or, you know, why Indiana's ranking is so low. Because they're allowing opponents to shoot just a crazy amount from the three-point line, obviously. And and this is where I wanted to talk, uh, talk to you about, Brian. Because we know Indiana's moving to this pack line defense. And we know that... You know, you really want to eliminate some of the dribble penetration <clears throat> and that one of the weaknesses can be leaving three point shooters open if you're not good with your rotations, if you're not good with your closeouts. What are you seeing defensively from Indiana that is, you know, leading to, to some of this crazy three point shooting or is it just kind of an anomaly, you know, from three hot shooting teams like where, where do you see the problem there?
1: Well, there's some hot shooting that that happened, but it's a it's they're not locked in defensively in in the pack line. Uh, The pack line depends on guarding your yard. We call it guarding your yard. Force a guy to go a yard wide either way, not directly to uh, the lane or directly to the baseline. And especially the pack line never wants you to go baseline. They want to force you to the nail. But we're letting guys get past the nail. And then we have to go into f- what we call full rotation. And then it's a closeout on the first pass. And that might come from somebody on the wing. And then they one more pass to the wing and there's a wide open shot. So to me, a high percentage or effective field goal percentage is we're not contesting many shots. Uh, we're, we're allowing too many shots uh, on, on the perimeter. Uh, we're allowing shots in the lane. We're allowing easy posts up. Um, the, the Desi guy, Rodriguez, was just, physically overpowering the other night and got some easy five-foot looks uh, at the rim. So the pack line is supposed to not let the ball get in the lane either by pass or, you know, by dribble, and it's getting there too much. And, and our perimeter guys are not ga- guarding the bounce. And then, you know, against Indiana State, there was a couple uh, handoff switches, and we two guys stayed with the ball, and they either threw it to the open four, and Kessinger and uh, that other guy, Thomas, hit – four threes, or someone came to help and put us in rotation. That's why we give up a a huge amount of, of, or a high percentage. And that's just part of knowing what the system is. And it's five guys playing the ball, not just one guy worrying about his own position. And we're just not tied in right now.
0: So real quick, we got about 10 seconds in the segment. Correctable. Are these things correctable as, as we learn more about the system?
1: Absolutely absolutely a hundred percent correctable it just comes with time knowledge and film study
0: yes and hopefully not continuing our habit of fouling three-point shooters because that's been awfully disappointing
1: all right coming up
0: uh here on the assembly call brian and i are going to dive into robert johnson and talk about indiana's uh, senior who has struggled a little bit talk about what needs to happen for robert to take the next step that's coming up next are listening to the assembly call go to assemblycall.com join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter Uh, and if you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan then you really do need to be on our newsletter list, because you will get our weekly Six or Sunday news roundups as well as our post game analysis emails. It's like 2,000 words of post game analysis that we don't post anywhere else. It's only for our email subscribers, and it's all free uh, in hopes of making you uh, a smarter and more connected IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is slash join. I'm Jared Morris here with our coach on the assembly call, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, and Brian, before we jump into Robert Johnson, in between uh, segments there, you were, you, had, you were telling me something really interesting about something that you guys track called fake hustle because we were talking about how Indiana has been fouling too many three-point shooters. Walk us through real quick what you mean by fake hustle.
1: Yeah, fake hustle, false hustle is, is a player trying to make up for a mistake, being in bad position, not doing what they're supposed to by doing something extraordinarily hard and then making a second error. Uh, for example diving through a pass into the cheer. I always say you're diving into the cheerleaders and then everyone claps because you made a great effort, but now we're five on four. So that's false hustle. You, you did not use the proper technique uh, to, to contest that pass. If you don't rotate correctly and then there's a three point shooter, you run out there and jump at him and foul him. That's false hustle. You got to still close out, right? If he gets an open look and, and we don't get out there on time, he's still got to hit it um, instead of us running through there and filing him and giving him, you know, three free free throws. So we track that. Uh, we don't have a stat necessarily on the bench, but when we see it, we, we call out our players on on fake hustle. If you had done the right thing first, there would have been no need to file a three point shooter.
0: And hopefully Indiana gets better at doing the right thing as they get more comfortable in the system. Uh, you know, I think that mm-hmm. will obviously help that. Okay, speaking of a guy who hopefully will get more comfortable, will get better, Robert Johnson. So our buddy IU Artifacts, Chris Williams, uh, sent in this question, which is a good jumping off point. Do you think Rojo will be able to embrace a leadership role during the season, or do you think that ship has already sailed? So <clears throat> there's a couple of different ways I want to address this. You know, obviously there's you know leadership in terms of scoring and playmaking on the court, and we need to we need to talk about that. But there are a lot of different ways that someone can lead. And I I think, you know, we've heard a lot through Robert's career that he maybe isn't the most vocal guy, maybe isn't the most comfortable being a vocal leader. But, you know, you lead in a lot of different ways in a basketball program. You know, you lead with your conduct off the court. You know, what kind of a citizen you are. You lead with how hard you work. And everybody just was effusive in their praise of how hard Robert worked in the offseason. You know, you lead by being in as good a physical shape as you can be in to set the example for the younger guys. And we know that he's done that. So I want to be really clear when we talk about, you know, wanting more from Robert Johnson he is obviously graded, you know, a bit on a curve and the expectation level is higher because we've seen him for three years. You know, we've seen him at his best. And, and I think we've we all hope that he kind of makes that jump up in production as a senior. But I think it's unfair to to maybe insinuate that he doesn't lead at all or hasn't done any of that stuff well, because I think he has done some of it well, by example. You know what I think now needs to be the next step for him, you know, in maturing as a leader and taking the next step as a player is, you know, if he has vocal leadership within him, great, but whether he does or not, you know, really stepping up and being a leader on the court. And so, you know, and especially as a score, as a guy who needs to produce, um, because those are, you know, really, you know, your leader's on the team, on the court, the guys that you count on to produce to go out and get you 14, 15 points and to get rebounds and to make plays and to come up with plays when the chips are down. And that's where he's been struggling this year, and that's where I think people have really gotten frustrated. So before we dive into some of the nitty-gritty there, Brian, what are your overview thoughts on Robert Johnson, you know, how he's played so far this year, your expectations of him, and if you kind of think that the reaction that people have had to his early season play has been fair?
1: I, I think Robert's been struggling to start the year, and I think any evaluation other than that, uh, you know, would be maybe a little bit off base. Uh, he, he's been scoring in double figures, but it's a lot of the intangibles—a little bit of a the turnovers and, and and some some defensive things—and he just he just doesn't look comfortable or as confident as we would want him to be. And and so I, I think that's fair. Um, I also, you know good coaches look at players and say, what can they do? Not what can't they do. And and sometimes what players can do is, is, is different than what we might need them to do. We, we, we might need a a senior to be a leader vocally or a leader uh, of production, uh, which has been talked about with him and Morgan, but maybe they're skilled uh, at being a role player or, or a second option or a third option. and, that evaluation is probably happening right now with the coaching staff. Um, The hardest thing to do is to coach a talented player out of his personality. Um, It happens at every levels. Uh, You would think that every player who signs up to play college or high school ball is a, is a competitor that is going to dive and do all those things, but you need a whole bunch of different players. And so you know, at some point we'll have to evaluate if the expectations of being the leader vocally or the leader scoring is something that Robert does. And if he's maybe just a defender and a slasher and something, and someone else fills those roles, then he can still have a productive senior year. Sometimes it's hard to squeeze someone into a role that they're not made for. And I have no idea. Fans have no idea. I'm not in practice. I don't know the young man. I know that he probably wants to be successful. And, and so that's where it's it's hard as a uh, as an outsider to really judge, you know, what's going on. I think Morgan's in the same boat a little bit too. We expect double digits and all of these things, but maybe maybe their DNA is just to do Joan Morgan things or Robert Johnson things and not to be the James Blackman or the Yogi Ferrels. Uh, mm-hmm. uh And and so that that's from a coaching standpoint, you got to identify your player and put them in the right position. And I think Archie's trying to figure that out. A little bit at this point
0: yeah and, and some guys are ready to make that progression as upperclassmen and some guys like robert you know he, he may have peaked in terms of of what the perfect role for him is as a sophomore when he played around so much talent and had, you know, they got him so many open looks and he could really focus on being a catch and shoot guy, you know, playing really good defense. Maybe that was the perfect role for him because I think you're right. We're not in practice. You know, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes. All we have to go on are what we saw last year, you know, after guys got hurt and he kind of moved up, you know, the ladder in terms of, you know, what option he was in the offense. And in the beginning of this season, He just hasn't looked comfortable. And that could be something going on in his personal life as much as it is, you know, being uncomfortable with on the court. We have no idea. We're obviously just kind of speculating there. But, you know, I think it's important to note that Archie was, you know, continued to praise Robert in his radio show saying that, you know, he's really bought in defensively, you know, not that he's not making mistakes defensively, but he's bought in trying to do what they want to do, you know, and that the offense will come. And hopefully what we saw in the second half of him attacking a little bit more, you know, yes, the game had already been decided, uh, and you'd like to see him be more productive offensively, you know, in the first half and early in the second half when the game is still in the balance. But maybe that can get him going. Um, And, you know, the guy that comes to mind a little bit when you think about Robert and had someone email me this, and a few people have mentioned it on Twitter too, is you know you kind of think about Will Sheehy and the kind of player that he was in 2012 and 2013, and then when 2014 came around, you know everybody kind of thought you know wow you know we've got Yogi and you know we've got Will and, and we've got Noah Vonley, and, and there's some real pieces here and maybe you know Will can be an all Big Ten level player. And it's not a perfect comparison between the two, but there are some similarities. You know, Will never quite seemed to look comfortable taking that step up. You, you know, he was really comfortable in that sixth man agitator role, being able to come in and do Will Sheehy things, you know, kind of like you mentioned, uh, you know, earlier. But, you know, his efficiency dropped. He actually used fewer possessions when he was on the court, you know, showing that maybe he was just a little bit less assertive and, and not quite comfortable in what his role was in the offense, kind of like what we're seeing with Robert now and that just happens with some guys and so i think we do want to be careful not to judge a guy harshly just because he's not living up to our expectations it could be that our expectations are wrong <laughs> you know not necessarily that he's really doing anything wrong and i think you make a great point that it's up to the coaches to figure out what does he do well let's put him in a position to succeed and maybe it's you know, with guys like Devontae Green and Al Durham taking more of the playmaking role in the offense and him stepping back and trying to get him those catch and shoot opportunities. But whatever it is, I think it's so important for the rest of the season for Archie to unlock a good, confident Robert Johnson, because goodness knows, I mean, he's going to be really needed, especially as Indiana starts playing in tough road environments and the season goes on. He's just, he's got experience and we know he has skills to be productive Hopefully we can get that and then get a you know a consistent level of confidence back from him.
1: Uh, a couple things. Um, he wore the gold jersey. Th- that speaks volumes to me. I-, I love what Archie's doing with that gold jersey. So he's had bad performances in games, but that shows he's not he's not dogging it in practice. I don't think it's a personal thing. I don't think it's a he doesn't like Archie thing or some of the things you might see in players that have attitudes in their senior year. I don't buy that one bit. I think he's he's given everything he can to the Indiana basketball program. For some reason, the carryover is not happening. And Archie said that in, in a in a interview at some point. And uh, that that might just be a, a personality thing. That might be a like you said, will she? He just not uh, fitting in. And that's where I thought Archie did a good job there. And I, I wish I wrote down the time, but uh, Robert got the ball at the point and they set a flat ball screen and he went to work. And I think he did that three or four times. And he just looked a lot better. And sometimes uh, coaches have to call a play. Uh, I'm big on, you know, who are our players that we have to get going in the first quarter? Because if not, they might unfortunately disappear by not by choice. They just that's just what happens. So if, if someone sees success, then, then they might have 30 minutes of success. And so Robert might be a guy that, that Archie might have to say in the first four minute segment, we're going to run something for him. To get him going early in the game, uh, because I think it worked at the seven or eight minute mark. uh, Whenever that happened in the in the second half, I thought Robert's play was a lot better after that, and that that's a good move on Archie.
0: Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's one of those hard things. I mean, I thought Andy and I were actually pretty tough on Robert on the post game show last night, and I've spent a lot of time since then thinking about it, you know, and wondering if we were a little too hard and not understanding enough and there's a fine line between you know making excuses for a guy and you know accepting less than what they're capable of and all that stuff uh and 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 trying to be fair you know and trying to be Mm -hmm. patient because you know as robert is transitioning into a new role and you know a a leadership from a production standpoint right from the start of the season which he hasn't had before you know he 's also got three years of habits in an, an old system to break as well, and so I just maybe one hundred and twenty minutes of regular season basketball is not enough time for us to really judge him and like everybody else, we need to be patient you know and those of us who set unfair expectations like he was going to have a great Graham type senior year maybe uh, you know did him a disservice <laughs> you know and, uh, and and we should just be as we should be with everybody a little bit more patient and i know i 'm going to try and be with him because I, I you know I agree with you I think he 's given a lot. I know sometimes there have been times where it's looked like he maybe hasn't been as engaged in a game, and I just if a guy's not confident and if a guy's overthinking, I think sometimes it can look like it's maybe there's not as much effort there. But I think those are two different things.
1: Yeah, and and you know I, I, on the other side, uh, tape doesn't lie, and at some point you have four or five, six games of tape and you're not producing and you're wearing the gold Jersey at some point, you're going to be held accountable for not bringing practice to the game. And we're going to have to go a different direction and whether we like him or not, or respect him or not. So, you know, it's imperative that the coach brings it out of Robert and Robert dig deep and find it. Uh, but I do think you're right there with the expectations of, um, you know, that we might have thought that he would progress at a level that, that he, he isn't or hasn't yet. And maybe it's still there, but, um, so I think a lot of what we said, you know, is, is, is true. It, it is frustrating when you have a four-year senior and, and the performance that we've had. And then you watch two four-year seniors at Seton Hall just literally, you know, uh, kick butt. And, and, and Robert wasn't a slouch coming into college, just like, you know, the two Seton Hall or the three or four Seton Hall guys. So that's where the frustration lies is, is it, you know, you do have to produce or you're going to sit. And I think Archie's that type of guy that at some point, you know, and um, I I hope that it doesn't come to that. And and I believe that Robert will find his niche, uh, whatever that is, and um, he'll get better.
0: Yeah, you're right. And, and there will be a point, I mean, there's going to be a point where, where Robert and Josh either have to really be producing or it just makes more sense to go with younger guys who, frankly, to this point, have actually produced better. It wouldn't just be going to the younger guys to go young. It's because they're doing more of the things that you want. Um, but I do think three games is probably too soon, especially with a guy like Newkirk, who may just be a slow starter, you know, our one experience with him is he started slow and finished the season strong. So hopefully those guys can can get it going. And by the way, you know, what you mentioned about Robert coming in is no slouch. He was actually ranked one spot ahead of Angel Delgado in the same recruiting class. So gives you some, some perspective yeah. there. Uh, any final thoughts on Robert before we, uh, we move on and answer some of these Twitter questions?
1: We can't forget he plays defense. Yes. You know, and, and, and we, you talked about Newkirk. And, and one of the things that I think Josh needs to do better is guard. Uh, whether we have a don't hop sign or don't have a don't hop sign, he's hopping and he's getting beat. So we all ought to shout, maybe don't hop at the television. Um, but Josh, you know, the thing about Josh is hopefully he'll get better. He, he got better last year. So I, I'm believing in Josh as well. Uh, didn't mean to sound too harsh, but Robert plays defense. And even when he's struggling, he can make an impact on the defensive end. And, and so that's something that when we, we like shots going in and when we don't see it, we think he's playing bad. But there's other, you know, there's other things, especially uh, defense that I think he's he's doing well.
0: Yep. All coming up in our final segment, we hit on a bunch of other topics uh, through answering your questions, including what is a realistic record heading into January? It's a good question. We'll talk about it next. You are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Brian Tonsoni, our special guest host this week. And, Brian, we've got some Twitter questions. Let's hit these up and cover some other topics that we haven't talked about yet. First question comes from Josh, who says, What's a realistic record heading into July? I look over our schedule and can only come up with 8-6 and six or 7-7 seven, seven as a best case. So, Look, I think eight and six is realistic. Um, you know, you win all the six games that you have against you know teams that are 147th or worse than Ken Palm, and you beat Iowa at home. You're eight and six heading into January, and probably feeling you know okay about yourself. Not as great as you hoped, but you know, given what's already happened, you can probably live with that. Seven and seven, based on what we've seen, is perhaps most likely. You know, if Indiana can't beat Iowa, or maybe if they you know, stub their toe against an Eastern Michigan or a Fort Wayne, something like that. And look, you know, six and eight, I think is unlikely, but is in play, you know, given what we saw a couple games ago, just against Indiana state, uh, you know, if Indiana doesn't come ready to play against Eastern Michigan or Fort Wayne, those teams could beat Indiana. Um, and we learned that hopefully Indiana learned their lesson. Um, you know, so I would say, Look, I'm always the optimistic one, so I'm thinking probably eight and six because I do think that we'll, you know, I think we'll win at least one of those five tough games sandwiched there in the middle. Um, But, you know, you you could probably make the argument that seven and seven is most likely unless we really see some progress here over these next few games to suggest that uh, Indiana's really put their poor performances against Indiana State in the second half of Seton Hall in the rear view. What do you think about what's Uh, realistic?
1: I I think. You know, that's a realistic uh, call. I, I think we split the Big Ten games. Um, you know, it, it could go either way with those. I, I I would like to see us maybe pull off a Notre Dame or a Louisville. I, I think Duke's definitely out of the question. Um, you know, the first half uh, against Seton Hall has me believing that if we can stretch that out to a full game, then, then we can compete with some people. And if they take us lightly now because they see us losing and not playing well, and especially in, in our house – uh, or maybe even a neutral court. Um, so, but I think I think seven or eight is probably realistic. If we do get one of those and win out, and we're nine, win one Big Ten game, and win one of the non-conference big, we're at nine and five, and we have an outside chance of of making a nine ten seed, possibly. But so that's maybe a dream, but I, I don't think that's uh, not impossible.
0: Don't you think that this? And maybe it won't happen this year, but certainly with the program moving forward don't you think that we will be better on the road in a neutral courts with Archie just be, just simply because, you know, the focus on defense, the focus on toughness, and those seem to be things that we especially lacked the last few years when we were playing away from home.
1: Yeah. I, I'm like though the, all the, the fake news, I, I, anything Archie does I like, right? So I really do believe that we're going to get better and, and in that is our road approach uh i I think that's going to or i i look for us to surprise someone on the road not just uh, someone we think we can beat and and i and i think you know we'll get better at the end of the year which has been a problem in the last few years too and and we might string some games together
0: yep all right wesley asked do you think this season's success or lack thereof will affect recruiting for next year uh yes i don't think a poor season this year devastates us it means that we you aren't going to have a chance at keon brooks and trace jackson davis and trend watford and all those guys and even romeo langford but look You're recruiting a guy like Romeo Langford, who's probably going to play in college for one year. He wants to have success. And if he looks at Indiana as, you know, really being far away from competing, you know, for a conference championship and a deep run in the NCAA tournament, that might push him to go somewhere else. And the same can be said of any of the high-profile guys Indiana's recruiting in 2019 that consider themselves, you know, potential one-and-done guys. So. I think you can still recruit early in a coach's tenure if you don't have great success in the first and maybe the second year. Um, but I think it definitely puts you in a better position to get those elite players uh, if you do have some success or at least show signs that, hey, you know, we started off the season poorly, but we've got it going for next year. You come in. You can help put us over the top. You've at least got to be able to show something that's going to make that guy believe. So I do think it can have an impact. Uh, Chris asks, why isn't Clifton Moore playing? You know, look, I I think Clifton has a long way to go, especially defensively. I don't think the Seton Hall game was probably a great spot to put him in because he probably would have gotten manhandled and maybe lost any confidence that he's been building. Um, What do you think, Brian, about where maybe these next three games, are these spots Archie can get Clifton some playing time or do you think he's still far away and i know you've only seen him play for a few minutes in the in the games that he's played so far
1: yeah from the athletic standpoint i I would like to see him get a few minutes just to develop um because i think you need game reps as well as, as practice reps but when you're trying to win games you can't really afford to put someone out there uh that's just testing out you know whether they can play or not so hopefully there's some time and score situations where archie might feel comfortable uh to put him in these next three games uh And until then, he could be someone that has to practice for a month or two before he's game ready.
0: Yeah. And look, you know, guys like OG Ananobi and Juwan Morgan didn't play a ton their freshman year and really came on toward the end of the season and gave that team a big boost. And I continue to think Clifton has that kind of potential. And while he's probably not going to be, you know, a plus defender or even an average defender this season, he's got some offensive skill that could be really – important for this team down the stretch and could add a unique element coming off the bench so hopefully they can get him you know to a point where he can play here's an interesting question and I'll send this to you first brian this is from carl who takes the last shot with the game on the line like right now if you're the coach for indiana game on the line what are you drawing up and what's your lineup that's on the court
1: i'm going to Devonte green one four flat go to work son lift and score <laughs> I, I, I just think he's the guy who might be able to create uh, something, and I think he's um, got some guts, or as Bill Rafter, he would say, onions, or whatever. Um, <laughs> I think he's got it, and as he develops that confidence, I, I, I would see that you would maybe go to him. And he's a sophomore. He, you know, other other people, you might say you go to your upperclassmen, but um, my call right now, from my limited knowledge, without being at practice, it's Devonte.
0: He made some big shots in that Seton Hall first half, that's for sure. And maybe depending on matchup, you know, you might go to Duran obviously you know with the Ron playing like he did against Seton Hall if he's not on the court you can't do that but if it's a a, a particular matchup where he really has an advantage maybe you try and, and dump it mm-hmm. down low who would be the guys that you'd have on the court and who might be your second option outside of Devontae because I think uh, most people at this point would say Devontae based on what we've seen
1: you know what I, and again I don't know what their offensive philosophy is this but I might put Jawan Morgan in an isolation situation you know as a four if they had if if depending on the other team might have their best defensive guys out at that point but if he's got a bigger four on him um, I would maybe try to isolate him down low depending on one if it's a one two or three point uh, game situation but there's a guy too that I think could uh, do some dribble attack uh, to the rim or even a post up move against a guy that uh, might be a little bit he's a little more athletic too so that would be my second choice yeah And, Um, and, and then you have to have your defensive guys in you have to have Davis for rebounding and So those are some of the thoughts I'd have.
0: I like it. All righty. Well, we are up against it. That brings us to the end of this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We really appreciate you being here, and we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep The Assembly Call going and to keep growing. And we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support so that if you do want to support the show, there are a number of options and we encourage you to choose whichever one is most convenient. On that page, you will find ways to donate, including how to set up a monthly recurring donation or annual recurring donation, as many folks have, or you can submit a one-time donation. Again, that is assemblycall.com support. Or you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop, and we will get a commission if you use that URL and make a purchase. Alrighty, Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for your support. We'll talk to you next time. Go Hoosiers.